Welcome to Spirit in Action. My name is Mark Helpsmeet, and each week we bring you visits and conversations with people doing healing work for this world, hearing what they're doing and what inspires them and supports them in doing it. Welcome to Spirit in Action. We welcome back an old friend to Spirit in Action today, Sammy Razuli. But first, I want to remind all our listeners to go to the NorthernSpiritRadio.org webpage and fill out our listener survey. It only takes a minute, and it will help us plan for Northern Spirit Radio, and you'll get entered in a drawing for $25 or a stack of Northern Spirit Radio swag, a t-shirt, tote bag, and some music from our past guests. Please do that at NorthernSpiritRadio.org. But right now, we're going to talk to Sammy Rizzuli. Sammy came to the USA from Iraq back in 1976, became an American citizen, had a very successful restaurant in the Twin Cities of Minnesota, but after the U.S. invasion of Iraq in 2003, Sammy felt called to go back to Iraq to help rebuild the decimated country. Early on, he founded the Muslim Peacemaker Teams, and he's made periodic trips back to the U.S. to update us about how the aftermath of the U.S. invasion of Iraq looks on the ground. He just finished a couple-week visit to the United States and agreed to talk to me by phone just the day before he heads back to Iraq. Sammy, welcome back for the fourth time now to Spirit in Action. Thank you for having me. It has been a while, Mark. Now, you're back in the U.S., as I said, for this is three times that I've caught you. I imagine you've been back other times, too. But how are things doing in Iraq right now? Well, Mark, you know, last March marked the 15th anniversary of the invasion of the U.S. of Iraq. So the Human Rights Watch issued in late February this year its numbers about the Iraqi situation today. So I would like to read for you some numbers, which is really devastating what we have right now. 3,400,000 refugees that scattered around the world in about 64 countries, mainly Canada, Europe, Australia, and some in the U.S., not uh, anymore with this administration. Also, there are 4,100,000 displaced persons in Iraq. The cause of this was the taking over of Mosul by ISIS in 2014. One million of those internally displaced persons, 1,700,000, still are living in camps because they have no relatives and their homes have been destructed completely during the fight between Iraqi forces and ISIS forces. There are uh, 5,600,000 orphans, their ages between one month and 17 years, and 2 million widows, their ages between 15 and 52. There are 6 million Iraqis cannot read or write. They are illiterate, while back in the 70s, Iraq was free of illiteracy. It's getting really bad. What we say in Iraq today, like today is better than tomorrow, and it's coming true. Every day passes, you see yourself in a tunnel, but there is no light at the end of this tunnel. 
The unemployment rated by 31%, and it's scattered among Al-Ambar province and Al-Muthanna, Diyala, Babel. It's uh, in the front of the list. Then Baghdad and Karbala, and also Nainawa, Nainawa, which is Mosul. The poverty, poverty is more than 35%. People cannot make a dollar a day. The drugs problem became really something we never witnessed before. When I was born and raised in Iraq, I never knew what drug is or seen any drug because the previous regime applied the capital punishment. So against who used the drugs or who sold the drugs, dealt with it. So people were terrifying even to bring the name of the drug or mention it in their talks. Now it's, I think, coming through Iran from Afghanistan, you know, the opiums now are growing well in Afghanistan and well guarded by the U.S. forces. There is about 9% of the children of Iraq are out there working and they are usually under the age of 15. More than 39 diseases are uh, in Iraq right now, mainly cholera, cancer, and also babies are born with birth defects. Iraq today is importing 75% of the food that we need and 91% other stuff, non-food items. The education in Iraq in the worst conditions, so... We have 14,658 schools. Most of those schools are not functioning well. The buildings are damaged and never taken care of during the U.S. occupation of Iraq or by the current government. There are about 800 of those schools built with mud, so Iraq today needs more than 11,000 new schools, but the corrupted government is not giving any sign that they will build those schools. Iraq indebts about $124 billion to about 29 countries plus to the World Bank. The Iraqis are selling oil. It's about between two and a half million to three million barrels of oil that never solved or contributed any resolution of Iraqi problems. So it, it goes on and on the list. But we're not going to just cry and hit ourselves and whine. But Muslim Peacemaker Team, the organization that I founded back in 2005 when I went back, actively creating some project that leads to teach life, not death. Death is an option within this misery and hardship that the Iraqis are facing. But we're not, I mean, going to live forever. We, we will die, but still we are alive and we have to do something that benefits the connection after we get disconnected with ourselves. Saying that this connection with ourselves means as a humanity in each war that based on lie when take place and harm people, 
the disconnection get there. So in order to connect what we thought of to widen the circle of those who are able to come to Iraq, so I thought peace-minded people from the states who grieve the suffering our war-making has caused others could come to Najaf for at least a month, Najaf, Iraq, of course, to speak English with Iraqis living and interacting with families and sharing in their rich history, culture, and lifestyle. I'm especially hopeful that young people will take advantage of this rare lifetime opportunity to connect with the Iraqis and foster friendship with ordinary people like themselves. I'm going to interrupt you here, Sammy, so that I can dive into this. There's been a lot that you've said, and I want to unpack some of it and make sure I understand it, because we also need to put it in the big picture. And the big picture is what was happening in Iraq before and since the war and the different administrations we've had here. Again, folks, we're speaking with Sammy Rizzuli, born and raised in Iraq, moved to the Twin Cities in 1976. He opened a a restaurant there for more than 20 years. It was Sinbad's he had there. And after the U.S. invasion in Iraq, he went back for his mother's, she had died, and he went back for that. He saw the suffering of the Iraqi people and decided to move back to Iraq to be a force for healing in Iraq. So that's a little bit of the backstory for Sammy. Sammy, when you were born, was Saddam Hussein at the helm of government in Iraq? When did he take over? He took over in 1979, and this is after I left Iraq in 1976. At that time, I was in United Arab Emirates. I taught English, so I was a teacher, English and math at that time, so he took over. But uh, Ahmed Hassan al-Bakr was before Saddam in power. So during Saddam's era, as uh, Saddam known, a dictator, a brutal dictator that killed all his opposition without any regret or remorse, using power to establish his government based on Al-Ba'ath Party. Al-Ba'ath Party means the Renaissance, the Arab Renaissance. The motto of that party to build the Arab world, uh, unite them, there are 22 countries to become like a powerful states like the states here, based on socialism, freedom, and unity. So that was his aim, and the Ba'ath Party was not operating in Iraq only, but was established in Syria. So the Syrian government, uh, led by Bashar now, Al-Ba'ath is their strategy in dealing with the other Arab countries. So Al-Ba'ath Party is still in Lebanon as a vital active party, is still in Yemen and other countries. So during uh, the dictator, the uh, country was uh, held in, in one piece where security was remarkable in the contrary of what's going on now. The education was uh, 100% 
illiteracy free that was witnessed by the UN, UNESCO, as they reported back in the 70s. Iraq had really nice health system that took care of the Iraqi people right now. It's worst degrees. The services like electricity, clean water, potable water, all of that was provided, and even the economy and employment was almost nothing. Unfortunately, Iraqis, when the U.S. invaded Iraq, hoped things will be better if that dictator will go away. But nowadays, Iraqis are missing that dictator, and they wish that never he was gone. So this is, in a brief, uh, I mean, I just read you the numbers, how things are in Iraq. So this is going bad to worse and worse. So unfortunately, there is no promising tomorrow in Iraq. I want to be clear about this, Sammy. At one point, I think Iraq was the shining example of countries around there with high literacy, good health, materially pretty affluent. At one point, they were on good terms with the United States. I think, in fact, the United States channeled weapons to help Iraq fight against Iran. Is that when things started to decline with that war with Iran and for power central? I mean, I think Saddam Hussein wanted to grab that. As of the invasion of Kuwait and then what we call in the United States the first Gulf War, has it all been downhill from there? I mean, there were sanctions against Iraq, which led, I think, to mass starvation and destruction of the infrastructure in Iraq, and then the invasion. What have been the big things that have pushed Iraq down? And there's ISIS in there somewhere, too. Well, since the invasion, Iraq has been going down the hill. Ended, I mean, just recently, about six months ago or so, when Iraqi forces were able to end ISIS saga. But in result, we have destruction, whole destruction of the city of Mosul, and many displaced people, people estimated by like 40,000 got killed in the uh, war with ISIS. The economy got paralyzed. Most of the oil revenue was set for the military purpose to support the war against ISIS. So the Iraqis still going from tragedy to another, and it looks like there is no end of these tragedies. And speaking about this, the news are coming out that Iraq still have about 12 American military bases and a huge embassy where at least a 1,000 employees are running that embassy. This is... Uh, it has its purpose. I mean, there are some reasons we have this trouble beside the existence of the U.S. in Iraq still. I don't know if previously I talked to you about the Yenin plan. It's called Odeit Yenin plan. He's an Israeli Zionist scholar who presented in 1986 study to the Israeli government at that time and tell them if you want to deal with your enemies, the Arabs, and to be secure for the next at least 100 years, 
you have to study this thesis and implement it. And the U.S., our friend, will help us to do so. And the study was based on fragmenting, uh, dividing the Arab sects and religions and ethnicity and have them to, like those ethnicities and those groups who are Iraq, Syria, Libya, Egypt, Yemen, work or fight against each other so you will have a series of uh, inner fight and this inner fight will never be helpful to direct a big fight against Israel because now uh, we know Israel is doing whatever uh, it wants to do against the Palestinians without any reaction from the United States or the rest of the world while the Arabs are busy killing each other. So ISIS fighters, when they get injured, they are treated in Israeli hospitals and sent back to continue their fight. Wait a minute. Did I really hear that? ISIS fighters get healed in Israeli... How crazy is that? And everything in the United States, we're supporting Israel, and at the same time, they're supporting fighters that we are fighting. Does the right hand and the left hand in the U.S. have no idea what's going on? No, 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 no. The U.S. knows very well, actually. U.S. air jets, those uh, military jets, drop weapons and uh, food for ISIS fighters in Iraq. And, and the idea is, again, goes to that thesis when he said the U.S. will help us, will help Israel to divide the Arab countries in pieces. That's what they later called it. Well, in, in 2006, Condoleezza Rice uh, was in Tel Aviv, standing next to Ehud Elmert, the former prime minister at that time. She said, we're going to start something called creative chaos in the Arab world. And she apologized from the Arab nation that all years along, I mean in the past, they supported the tyrants and the dictators, the rulers of the Arab countries. They didn't side with the people. But from that point when she spoke in 2006, she said, we will side with the Arab nations against their tyrants by creating a new strategy called the constructive chaos. And this constructive chaos uh, started way back when the U.S. invaded Iraq. Then it happened in Egypt, in Tunisia, in Libya, in Syria still, and Yemen. So all this inner killing is controlled by the U.S. Israeli. The U.S. air jets bomb some locations of ISIS, and those ISIS members are generally brainwashed, came from Europe, came from the U.S. to fight against Iraqi government, the Shia, who persecuted the Sunnis. So those ISIS fighters are Sunnis, came to help the Sunnis, the brothers and sisters in Iraq, who are in trouble. But the leaders of ISIS are described as the spider in the web that control them, direct them, and tell them what to do, and that's members of the Mossad and CIA. That's what we know in Iraq. And everybody, if you go to Iraq and talk to the people, will give you the same answer. 
the inner war, the strategy of the U.S. and Israel, the inner war should go on and on and on. And I guarantee you that because we never in Iraq got a rest, got a break of this cycle of killing. I mean, almost there was a, a war will begin when the Kurdish, Iraqi Kurdistan Authority went to vote for the referendum in, on the 25th of last September, if you remember. And they reported 97 of the Kurdish wanted to be separated as uh, their own country in the northern of Iraq. But the central government of Iraq took some steps and stopped that separation. So uh, that happened right after defeating <laughs> ISIS. And next, we don't know what's going to happen because in May 12, that last May, an election took place for the parliament in Iraq. And the results are three major political parties. They are leading the country in the past. And now the result, their, their uh, scores of seats in the parliament are almost close to each other. Each party cannot form a government. So it passed about a month and there is no government and that will continue and we don't know what's going to happen. There's so much here that I'm unclear about. I clearly have not been following the news well enough there. One of the things that you said is that the Arab Spring, I'm going to have you talk about that. In the U.S., we refer to it as the Arab Spring. From the Iraqi point of view, it looks like destabilization of Arab countries. We'll talk more about that for Spirit in Action in our interview with Sammy Rizzuli in just a moment. But first, I want to remind all you listeners, this is Spirit in Action, a Northern Spirit Radio production. NorthernSpiritRadio.org is where you find us, including all of our guests of the last 13 years, including Sammy Rizzuli three times previously. You'll find links, so would you want to track down the Muslim peacemaker teams and get involved in their program in Najaf and the the efforts that they're doing to heal a broken country. You can find those links and for all our other guests as well on NorthernSpiritRadio.org. There's a place to post comments, make our communication two-way. You got to hold up your end. I'll do my part here. Also, there's a place for donations, this is full-time work, and it can only proceed with your support. So please click Donate when you come. Even more important, community radio stations all across the United States are bringing invaluable alternative news and music to you. You won't have that without your support. So free up your hands, open up your wallet, and help your local community radio station. Again, we have Sammy Rizzuli here. He's just uh, another day. He'll be heading back to Iraq, where he's moved back in 2004 to help the healing of that country. I'm first trying to form an adequate understanding of what's going on there. So I was mentioning before the break there, Sammy, that Arab Spring, that's how we know it in this country. The dictators in one country and another who were overthrown, that was seen as a very positive thing here. 
But from another point of view, it looks like destabilization. Egypt, for instance, is in much worse condition than it was under its dictator. Iraq probably looks fondly back to the days when you had a dictator and unemployment wasn't at 31% and you didn't have 5.6 million orphans. How do people in the Arab world generally think of what we call in the U.S. the Arab Spring? Is it a bad thing or a good thing? The, the Arab Spring, it's a joke because uh, spring should bloom for us uh, flowers and fruits. and But uh, the so-called Arab Spring, nothing but death and agony and the numbers that I stated for you. It's not only Iraq. Iraq is just an example. Look at Libya, look at Syria today and Yemen, uh, Egypt. I mean, the chaotic situation is everywhere in the Arab world, and that's served nobody but the state of Israel, and actually the Israelis having that so-called Arab Spring. The Spring is not an Arab, the Spring is an Israeli thing. And I can explain that uh, when the media here and the Israeli media talk about look at the Muslims and ISIS they are killing each other so they are uh, evil I mean Muslims are evil and they are bad and and when they shoot them in uh, cold blood in Gaza they call them terrorists they are Hamas member so the world and uh, namely the US do nothing when massacres take place just recently killing about 60 people unarmed uh, civilians they are protesting because they are in a huge prison they lack their uh, good water electricity food and jobs and etc they are there to be executed they are there to be murdered and further taken lands of palestine and continuing the saga of unfair and uh, crimes against humanity so there is no such uh, Arab Spring as uh, propagated for by the West. One of the objectives that I understood, the, the thing that people were hopeful about is that democracy would come to countries that had been under brutal dictators. Is there any place where democracy seems to be flourishing, including in Iraq? I mean, you don't have a government that functions now, right? We don't have a government that function. Even the government they were functioned in the past for the last 12 years, each term is four years. So three times took uh, the election in Iraq uh, place. But those people who are um, sharing the government are people who were picked up by Mr. Bremer, Paul Bremer, the first American civil administrator who replaced Saddam when Saddam was deposed. Those Iraqi government officials are not capable, are incompetent to leave the country. They are nothing but a group of corrupt individuals. They were uh, collected from the streets and sent to rural Iraq with no background, with no knowledge. I remember Tom Freedom was bragging about the operation of invading Iraq, and he was happy that Saddam was replaced by real Iraqis. I'm putting the quote sign. 
alleging that most of them are well-educated and college-graduated. Then later on, we found only the Ministry of Education. This is according to the Minister of Education saying there are 1,200 falsified, faked graduation certificates used by those who placed major posts in the government in the term within the education ministry. This is an example for other ministries. Nowadays, the people of Iraq knows the current government and the previous government of Iraq. Those bandits were assigned by Paul Bremer are continuing in ruling the country, taking away its revenue of the oil and providing nothing. So this is our dilemma, which is continuing uh, within the strategy that set for us by the previous U.S. administration when Condoleezza Rice stated that the strategy of constructive chaos should uh, uh, dominate the Arab world. And the Muslim Arab jinni should be kept in the bottle because there is no way the time is not a time for Muslims or Arab to bloom, but uh, nothing but death and what you see in our fight should continue, unfortunately. I have to say, Sammy, before you, Sammy Razuli, headed back to Iraq, or even in the first several years, it didn't seem as bleak as the point of view that you have now. There certainly was a lot of destruction, injury. I mean, that's what led you to move back to Iraq from the Twin Cities. Have your information sources, your politics, your point of view, has it changed significantly over these last 14 years since you moved back to Iraq? No, absolutely not. I mean, the game is fairly obvious that uh, the Arab countries should suffer. The Arab countries, uh, including their people, inhabitants, should continue living in uh, different kinds of diseases and uh, their economy sh should be held in disarray, uh, in shambles. They should not be seeing a bright future. Why? Because I think Israel uh, holds them as enemies and they should not be flourishing and advancing. They are a threat to the Israelis. This is our dilemma. And the Israelis are not intending to solve the Palestinian problem and, and share the land with them and give them hope to live just like an ordinary human beings. This uh, is continuing. And uh, remember, in the past, like in the 60s and 70s, 80s, the Arab countries, uh, they convened in one force to fight for the Palestinians, but not anymore, uh, because Gaddafi is not there. He was an uh, Arab nationalist, secular. Uh, Saddam Hussein is not there anymore. He was the same thing, pan-Arab nationalist and, and secular. Sadat and, uh, and, and Nasser are not there. So who's going to do the job to uh, help the Palestinians when it comes to protect them from evil action that Israel once in a while take against them? Now we don't have uh, in Libya a regular government. We don't have in Iraq a government that we can at least uh, hope from them something to be provided 
for the benefit of the Iraqi people, not for the Palestinian, for the Iraqi people. So inner fights are continuing, as I said, and that what it goes back to the Yemen plan, Odeit Yemen plan, which is now in action. It's implemented by the Israelis and supported by the U.S. And actually the taxpayers are paying for it. There are a number of things that when you were sharing, Sammy, the problems that are happening in Iraq right now, one of them that caught my attention especially was you said the three major sources of disease are cholera, which usually is based on the fact that you don't have good water supply and so therefore the infections happen and that's how that happens. But the other two, cancer and birth defects, is that a result of the depleted uranium? Correct. Yes, that's what uh, I missed to comment about it. So uh, the usage of a weapon that illegally used in the... By the way, in 2002, there is a person called uh, Henry Levy, Bernard Henry Levy. He's a Zionist also. He lives in France. Once in a while, he, when there is an election in Israel, he nominate himself, but never uh, got an office. Uh, he never won. So this guy is known by the Iraqis and the Arab activists. He helped big time to create those so-called Muslim terrorists or Muslim extremists who are inserted in the countries of uh, different countries, Arab countries, and initiate a fight uh, by representing falsely, by representing the opposition of that country, as it happened in Syria, in, in Libya. That guy, he tried to insert those extremists in northern Iraq to get in side Iraq and establish, this is back before the invasion, 2002, to uh, have some destabilization in Iraq. But what happened, Saddam moved his forces. He had very strong intelligence, so they detected this, uh, Henry Levy in, the, in northern Iraq, with the, his group, so they moved their forces to uh, drive him away from the north, and then the invasion became imminent because they couldn't do it without the invasion, so the invasion started just a year later. Yeah. So my point is when uh, Bernard Levy failed to enter Iraq with his group, the extremist group, and was driven away by Saddam's forces, the invasion uh, took place. So all this happening as Uredianen brought it up as a study to protect Israel and uh, and have the security lingered of Israel for many years to come to divide the Arab world and end the story of Al-Ba'ath, the Arab Renaissance, to make of all Arab countries one country. I do want to understand Al-Ba'ath, and again, Saddam Hussein was an advocate, a part of the Ba'ath party. It was looking for unity of Arab states and strengthen, I think, those numbers and those connections. Right. The objective of ISIS is to install a caliph who will, a caliph for, to oversee all of the Arab countries. Are there very different objectives to ISIS and what the Ba'ath Party was advocating? 
The Ba'ath Party is a secular party. I mean, ISIS is their enemy if ISIS is real. But ISIS is just fake for an IS like Islamic State. Islamic State was 10,000 years ago around. And I would like to mention one of its scholars called Al-Khawarizmi, who came up, he, he was mathematician, and he came up with the logarithm theory, which is now today used as a genesis of the computer. I mean, you can find this. You go and search. Al-Khawarizmi was a member of that Islamic State, not the Islamic State that created by Mossad and CIA to destroy countries like Iraq. That's not Islamic State. So ISIS is fake, for one thing, but it's religious. I think it's a Muslim fundamentalist extremes, right? And Ba'ath Party, they were secularists. They, would they also have been Muslim? And they're talking about an ethnic unification of Arabs as opposed to a religious unification? No, no, no. By the way, who created Ba'ath Party is Michel Aflaq, and Michel Aflaq, Syrian Christian. But he never believed in Christianity. He was secular. Maybe he did. Maybe he did. But secularism is to separate religion from the state. So no, none of them ruled on the name or by the name of a certain religion. None. Whether Saddam, Bashar al-Assad, or his father, Hafid al-Assad, or uh, the guy who created Ba'ath Party, the Christian Syrian, Michel Aflaq. So religion is not an option for them. It might be a personal option, but not a state option or a government strategy option to be religious. So Ba'ath Party would believe and support separation of church and state. Correct. ISIS would be imposition of religion over everyone. Yes, Ba'ath Party is a socialist party. It's designed after the communism, but designed for the Arab countries, not for the whole world as communism. When Marcus and Angelus and Lenin and all those Russian and others who came up with the communism philosophy or socialism philosophy. Michel Avrak, when he put it together, he, he was a professor at the Sorbonne University in Paris when he put Al-Ba'ath uh, idea, as idea to have it as political party and have uh, the Arab countries united. So the fear from uniting Arab countries is real because when the Arab countries are united and they have all this National resources, gas and oil, water, seas, people, they have the land, uh, fertile land. They could be, when, uh, if they united, like the 50 United States of America, could be a, a powerful country, a superpower country. Sure. But to, to keep that genie in the bottle, we, they, they had to use the <laughs> creative chaos or the Arab Spring to keep the Arab countries and people destroyed, unfortunately. That's a very different perspective than it has hardly at all been seen here in the United States. Of course, you don't hear about it here. 
the mainstream media here, it's, it's a different story. Look who's uh, providing or financing or who's owning the mainstream media here, uh, whether it's CNN, Fox, or, or other, uh, I mean, People uh, seek alternative media in the U.S., and yet they don't find what I'm telling you because I'm in Iraq. I live in Iraq, and I see facts. We make the news. We see things happening. And, and therefore, some of the people I know, they are friends and they work in the journalism. They think uh, I'm spreading uh, conspiracy theories. <laughs> but... Uh, like, uh, I was talking about this 10 years ago, 15 years ago, and now they see it, what I've been telling them, the truth. And it, it's unfortunately too late. I mean, when the war started against uh, uh, Iraq, I said that was a lie. Colin Powell lied to the UN when he said uh, Iraq has weapon of mass destruction. Uh, Ramsfield lied. George Bush lied. And even now there are uh, theories and there are voices to call 9-11 as an inside job. So this is an American thing, and I think uh, they should investigate. They should, because uh, still we don't hear uh, uh, the news just from one source, which is the government source, which is the mainstream media again. And, And that's absolutely different news that you only hear it here. So what advice does Sami Rizuli have for listeners? Where should they be getting their news in the United States? Besides, of course, Northern Spirit Radio, they should get it here. And maybe Democracy Now!, where should they, Community Radio, where should they be getting their news sources to give at least some picture of the complexity of what's going on? Well, you mentioned your source and Democracy Now!, and there are uh, some other uh, sources in the U.S. if if they seek it, and the Internet. Also, if they uh, react positively to my invitation to come to Iraq and participate in English for Reconciliation, they will meet Iraqis, real Iraqis, and talk to them face-to-face, make friendship. And uh, by the way, Iraqis will not point a finger to any Americans who visit Iraq and talk about, like... uh, they they want to heal. They want the wind need to be healed, and they don't disturb the guest with all things unless ex- uh, the guest want to learn. And and also the guests will meet uh, Syrian refugees in Iraq. We call them guest net refugees because they called us guests when we left when Iraqis went to Syria upon the invasion. So uh, actually, the Arab world is for the Arab without. I mean, taken in consideration this uh, flag of this country or that flag of that country uh, or the borders, uh, the Arab countries are for the Arabs. So uh, they can move around. They should move around freely. And one united, probably, if we pass the borders of the Arab world, uh, the globe should be uh, for uh, human citizenship, not divided as we see it. I just remembered Imagine. and uh, By John Lennon? John, yeah, John Lennon. So, again, I invite them to come and visit. Uh, it's uh, free housing, free transportation, free food for 30 days. All they do, just buy their tickets and come teach one hour a day for five days a week. 
for four weeks, and they can find the culture that they missed to learn about, and the people that get disconnected with to reconnect with them, and when they shake their hands, all the atoms that we are made of will celebrate unity, and when they look at each face, each other's face, with a smile, I think the universe will shout hallelujah. (laughs) (laughs) We could love a good hallelujah. We want a reason for that. You're invited, invited, (laughs) you and your wife, you're welcome to come. Thank you. Yeah, I'll, uh, I'll send so, you some info about the program. By uh, where should where should people go to look at this information to get this information? What this website? information at, in Facebook, either Sami Rasuli or uh, at, at the Muslim Peacemaker Team's website at Facebook. If they search for Muslim Peacemakers uh, Teams, and also uh, my email, if they like to send me an email at Sami rasuli at gmail.com I will send them the information if they are interested we'll have those links on northernspiritradio.org just come and look for my interview with Sammy Rasuli there I'll have all of those links to Facebook Sammy Rasuli, Facebook Muslim Peacemaker Teams and we'll even have Sammy Rasuli's direct email so you can get a hold of Sammy. Sammy I do need you to say a few more words about Muslim Peacemaker Teams. First I want to point out you were inspired by Tom Fox who was a Quaker who was part of Christian Peacemakers Teams he was killed in Iraq but he was an inspiration to you. You started up Muslim Peacemakers teams. Your first project was cleaning up Fallujah and bringing people out who were afraid and thought that you know Sunnis and Shias couldn't get along well, but together they're cleaning up Fallujah after the destruction happened there initially. What has Muslim Peacemakers done in the following years, now you've had more than 10 years of experience. Has it grown? Is there support for it? And what kind of projects do you do? We started uh, uh, with the reconciliation project with our brothers and sisters, the Sunnis, in the area of uh, western of Iraq, like Fallujah and Ambar, to create a northern of Baghdad. So we built the bridges with them and we exchange visits and uh, have some uh, football, uh, soccer uh, play took place there in their area and and also the Shia area. Also, we build uh, filters to purify the water and make it available for kids in about 106 schools. And many American donors participated in making that projects alive and we still are maintaining those uh, filters and I should uh, thank the group in Cleveland, Ohio, the group of uh, Veteran for Peace who participated in building five units and maintaining them and also should uh, thank the St. John's of Art Church who kept providing with some funds to support that project and other projects. Then we help in planting trees around uh, the city of Najaf. After we were succeeding uh, in having Minneapolis and Najaf as sister cities in 2009, 
many delegates have visit exchange and color exchange with both cities, academics, doctors, teachers, women organization, youth organization, students who came here and children who participated in a beautiful program that take place in uh, St. Paul called Sounds of Hope, where kids from all over the world are invited to come to sing their uh, folk song and share it with other kids. So when the kids meet, they share uh, love, friendship, uh, they share their emails to become friends and write each other when they leave St. Paul after um, staying about six weeks and divided three weeks for rehearsal of that folk song and uh, other three weeks they go out and perform uh, in different communities. So now, as I said, the English for Reconciliation program is a project of the Muslim Peacemaker Teams, the Muslim Peacemaker Teams MPT, promote principles of peace building and reconciliation via cultural exchange, mutual understanding and respect that lead uh, to building lasting friendship between ordinary Americans and Iraqis. Now, MPT is offering Americans an opportunity to connect with Iraqis in the beautiful historic city of Najaf in a program that brings individuals of the two nations together by providing them with opportunity to converse in English, have conversation, and uh, Iraqi participants want to learn English or improve their English language skills and would like to practice with English-speaking American in turn. But actually, when the American guests, American volunteer guests leave, they leave with lots of emails, addresses, and phone numbers, and many new Iraqi friends that they interacted in Najaf and other places. So in turn, American participants will become acquainted with Iraqis and Iraqi culture through the program. And the only qualifications are an American guest should have the desire for mutual understanding and respect. That's easy. And ability to converse uh, with uh, ordinary Iraqi in English. No Arabic uh, is necessary, so no Arabic knowledge is required. And then a commitment to stay a minimum of 30 days. Those are uh, the requirements that should American guests know about. So participants will be provided with place to stay, the American participant, meals and transportation within Iraq. We take them to Baghdad, show them Baghdad, the capital. We take them to Babylon ruins, show them Hello, where Babylon is, and we tell we take them to Zakura and Saint Daniel, the prophet in Al Kifil. So participants only need to provide their own transportation to and from Najaf, Iraq, like uh, flying tickets. So that's in brief uh, about the current program. As I said, uh, Mark, you and your wife are invited. If you know uh, friends who are interested, just have them email me and I'll send them 
information and uh, invitation signed by the governor of Najaf where they use it at the Iraqi embassy in D.C. to get the visa to come directly to Najaf. They don't need to go to Baghdad and Najaf. We have an airport, international airport in Najaf. The uh, Qatar Airways and uh, Turkish Airways, uh, always they are um, uh, good options to travel with. Well, I will highlight this information for all of our listeners for Northern Spirit Radio and the other networks of connections that I have. It's wonderful stuff that you're doing with Muslim Peacemaker Team, Sammy. I hope that in spite of all the difficulties that you have to face day to day, that your heart is full being in Iraq. Yes. In Iraq, with this program, I'm always busy and barely I can move. I took advantage of the month of Ramadan. We took kind of slight break in the program so I could come here, visit with friends, with family, and speak to you. And and also speaking to the communities here about the program, promote it, and uh, raising funds to help having the program going on. It was really nice of you to call me, to write me an email, and get connected again. I'm so happy to speak to you, Mark. Well, thank you again, Sammy. And, you know, our hearts go out to you in Iraq. And what's more is I hope a lot of our listeners will feel inspired to spend at least 30 days there on the ground getting to know you and the other people of Iraq and Najaf and to help heal a nation that the U.S. has had such a big part in hurting. I really hope that we can help bring back some of the damage that we've done. I'm and I'm, and I'm sorry for all of the injury and the difficulty there, but I really hope that we can be part of healing and helping in, so that you can say tomorrow will be better than today. That's sweet of you. Thank you, Mark. So again, folks, I'll have the connections to Sammy Rizzuli on the northernspiritradio.org website. Also, when you visit, please sign our listener survey. We're bringing that to an end very shortly. You'll be entered in our drawing for either $25 or some Northern Spirit Radio swag, including a T-shirt, tote bag, and music. All of that on northernspiritradio.org. Thanks so much to Andrew Jansen for production assistance with today's program. And we'll see you all next week for Spirit in Action. The theme music for this program is Turning of the World, performed by Sarah Thompson. Check out all things Spirit in Action on northernspiritradio.org. Guests, links, stations, and a place for your feedback, suggestions, and support. Thanks for listening. I'm Mark Helpsmeet, and I hope you find deep roots to support you to grow steadily toward the light. This is Spirit in Action. Oh